God is good, amen. Amen. God is good, amen. amen. So it's Senior Sunday, and uh, for those who have kids, am I really loud? I feel like I'm shouting at myself right now. Are we good? Is, this, is that better? We're good, all right. Those of us that have uh, kids involved in that, and I say us, uh, and I include myself in this. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a whirlwind of, of times. There's excitement and there's sadness. Uh, there's joy. Uh, there's uh, a little bit of fear. Uh, did you do enough? Did you tell them enough? Did you uh, teach them enough? And, and it's just uh, it's kind of a roller coaster of fun emotions. But I include myself in this because this group is, is now my first group who have seen all the way through the youth group. Uh, there's five of them here. I'm going to have them go ahead and awkwardly stand and us all stare at them. <laughs> go for it. There we go. Give them a, a round of applause. <clears throat> I, I think we should have them stand the whole time I'm, I'm preaching. That way we're all uncomfortable together, right? Y'all can be seated. This group here, uh, what, I, what I've seen about them over the last years, in high school especially, is that they all have been highly involved in their school in positive ways. They've been involved in many extracurricular activities. They've kept great grades that I know of. There might be a few in there uh, that have slipped beyond my knowledge, but they've, they've done well academically. They've kept jobs throughout it. But the thing that has stood out the most to me about this crew here is that all of them have made Wednesday nights really important to them. And I've seen them on retreats. I've seen them on mission trips. Uh, I counted it up. I feel like I, I, I'm close to about 2,000 hours that I've gotten to spend with them since sixth grade. And it's been... One of the most encouraging things for me is to come in that youth group, to come in that room, or to be on a retreat and see one of these five here. Because they all hold this special spot in my life. And so today, I'm going to speak a little bit to them. But I'm going to speak to all of us uh, when I deliver this message. Uh, I enjoy doing this uh, because I did not get to give a speech at my high school graduation. They wouldn't let me. said my grades were not great enough. So every year I get to give a high school speech. So, in Bowles' face, right? <laughs> so, as we begin, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 12. Just as the body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. 
Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And it, and it is, there are many parts, but one body. So hold your spot there in verse 21. We'll pick up there in just a little bit. So I got to read this, this study that they did on these rice and these wheat farmers. Uh, these, that they took from the same region. They took these college kids that grew up in this rice farming community and this wheat farming community, all in the same area. And they started giving them a little quiz, a little survey, uh, some questions. And one of the questions was the question of, uh, you took three things, a bus, a train, and a, uh, a train track, and you categorized two of the three. You put two and the three together. A bus, a train, and a train track. And so some put a bus and a train because it analytically, logically, and abstractly made sense that the bus and the train were very similar. And some of you probably did that. Some of them did this, uh, put the train and the train track together because it was relational. They worked together. One had to have the other to, to even exist. Or, and, and so it was relational. These rice farmers were the ones that are, were, were answering more of the questions in terms of relationship. They put the train and the train track together. These wheat farmers put the bus and the train together. They were more analytical. And so this study continued, and they asked them to like, draw their social groups, draw their friends, and they started drawing their friends. The rice farmers drew their friends just a tad bit larger and bigger than themselves while the wheat farmers drew themselves just a tad bit larger or bigger than, than their, their friends. When asked to, uh, to how do you deal with, to, to what would you do if one of your friends were disloyal or dishonest to you, these wheat farmers had just a slight bit more of a harsh punishment than the rice farming community. And they said, see, in this... In the wheat farming community, the wheat farmers kind of mainly rely on the weather, the sun and the rain, and they take care of their own crop, and it's kind of this every farmer for themselves. But in this rice community, this rice farming community, it has this complex irrigation system, and they had to control how much flooding happened, and if each farmer had to not worry about his land, but what he was doing to the land around him. So they had to think about if they held too much water back or they used too much water, how did that affect their neighbors? And so these farmers would then work together to build these canals, to build uh, things that, that held water, and they would work together on when to release them, how much to release at a time. And so interwoven into their culture, these rice farmers just thought of community and worked together intrinsically while the wheat farmers were more individualistic. See, I grew up and you grew up mainly in a wheat farming community. You might not have looked around and saw wheat, 
out your back door, but America is more designed like the wheat farming community, where we're more about the individual. Where I'm not saying that's a negative thing, because think of the individual is able to go into their garage, create something, invent something, dream and think past themselves and, 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 and create cures and create, we have PCs, computers and technology. The individual has done a lot of great things. But that's the community and the culture that we've grown up in in terms of thinking about oneself. And it, here in Texas, you got the phrase, all a man needs is a gun, a horse, and an open land, and he can conquer the world. And so we have this phrase and this thought and this idea of the individual. And that brings us to this thought of being independent. And when you think about the word independent and the way we use it and the way we talk about it, we kind of say, hey, I can't wait for my kid to be independent where they're self-reliant, they're not relying on anyone else for any financial or emotional or any kind of support whatsoever. They're on their own. And our kids are thinking, I can't wait till I'm independent where I'm on my own and I can stay out as late as I want. That's what they think independence is, right? And we live in this battle of what is independence. And we digest it in a culture that is individualistic. And so I take myself back to when I was about 18 years old. My dad and I were, were building a low elements ropes course in, in Alabama, in Coleman, Alabama. There's this children's home there, and I was living with my mom and dad just briefly. Uh, they actually had moved away my senior year. They decided they wanted to be independent. Uh, and so they left me. But we're out there, and this ropes course has a lot of telephone poles, that is basically the foundation of everything. So we're digging these telephone pole holes. They're about 10 inches. We're using this two-man auger, and we're digging, and we're digging, and we measured, and we got the holes where we wanted, and we started looking, and I'm looking at it, and I noticed that our measurements are quite off. Uh, in fact, this one particular hole is, is off by about five inches, and it's a 10-inch hole. It needs to go five inches this way. Now, my measurements are always right eventually. Uh, I'm that kind of person that you measure twice, you cut once, you measure it again because it was wrong, you cut it again, you measure it again, you cut it again, you go buy more wood, all right? <clears throat> That's my motto. It's, I've stuck to it for many years. In this instance, we measured twice, and we dug once, and we measured again, and we were all five inches. So I told my dad, look, I think we can take this two-man auger and we can put it on here and we can dig out and shave the side of that hole back. And my dad says, it's not going to work. I said, Dad, I'm sure it will. We just got to angle it just right and it will, it will shave five inches off of this hole. My dad says, no, son, it's not going to work. It's going to fall back into that hole every time. And I convinced him to give it a go. And so him and I give it a go and he gave it all he had and we're working on it and it's just sliding back into this already pre-dug hole. It's not wanting to bite or anything. It just, and it's knocking us around. And my dad says, son, we're going to have to get the post hole diggers and the shovel and do this. I said, dad, I think, I think we just got to hold it a little bit tighter this way. And I begin to explain to him how it's going to work. And he says, son, I'm tired. This is not going to work. So he went and he sat down in the shade and started drinking some sweet tea. 
I look at the two-man auger, and the great poet David Coverdale's voice came to my mind. Here I go again on my own, going down the only road I've ever known. Like a drifter, I was born to walk alone. But here I go again on my own. So I grabbed that two-man auger, just me, myself, and I, and I began to battle that thing, trying to show that I had what it takes to be on my own. And in this heated day, me and my dad had this heated discussion. While I'm sitting here trying to man this, I was telling him, I've got that, that I didn't need him, that I could do it on my own. And I worked myself over trying to make that two-man auger do what I wanted it to do. But it was telling me it was going to do what it wanted to do no matter what. And my dad was sitting over there in the shade, drinking sweet tea, popping some sunflower seeds in his mouth. I put it down. I sit beside him. He gives me a drink of sweet tea. And he hands me the post hole diggers. <laughs> I think that's the battle we live in. This battle of, I think I've got this. I think I can take this. Because after all, we live in an individualistic culture that tells us that we should have this. That we must have this. And when our teens come to this age of 18 and they're, they're about to get out of high school and they're going off to college, we kind of dream that they will make it on their own. And we think of this term independence deeply and we want them to be independent. But I don't think I've lived a day in my life where I've been independent. I've always relied on somebody for something. Because independence isn't this real term of like I'm doing everything on my own by myself. When you're a baby, an infant, you're fully dependent. You don't get to decide in whom you depend on. You don't get to decide in when you eat or what you don't eat. There, all that's being taken care of for you. The older you get, you get to decide in whom you depend on and in how much. But you will depend on somebody. I depend on my wife every day. I depend on my kids. My daughter, she's married now. How crazy is that? And if there's a video out there, we need to delete that of me dancing. It did not happen. Some... I have an evil twin, by the way, but I depend on him. Shay, before I, I preach, she sent me a text, good luck, Daddy. I depend on that encouragement. We all depend on someone. And this picture of the church is about dependence. This picture of this, this New Testament Christianity, this, this early Christians, this picture that is offered to us is, is this codependent. But too often, in our body of believers, we think individually. We think that we have to do things on our own. That we have to make it on our own. That we can't confess to one another. That we can't share with one another. That we can't tell each other our burdens or what we're struggling with. Because we've got to do it on our own. Because that's the Lone Ranger way, right? but even he had a sidekick. And it bleeds into even this thought of, not only do I need to do it on my own, but 
eventually this individualism kicks in and I'm not, I stop thinking about uh, what I might could do for the group and I think, okay, this group needs, is, is about me. What can this church then do about me? We kind of take it to another extreme in our individualism. We start thinking, what can all of them and how can all of them cater to just me? What is it I want? What is it I need? What is it I like? Instead of being rice farmers and thinking, what does the church need for me? And so seniors, as you get ready, as you walk down and you get your diploma, and as you hand, hand off to the next thing, know this, you're not alone. You're not alone. That these people here got your back. That they love you, they care for you, and they're with you. Parents of those teenagers, you're not alone. It's difficult, the world in which we live in. The attacks that they're faced daily, it's scary, but you're not alone. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division, none in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No, eagerly desire. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then he continues on in chapter 13 talking about love, which we'll pick up there in a few weeks on June 10th. But 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Because we're about rice farming. The church is about rice farming. It's designed to be a community, not a bunch of individuals. So may you find yourself Desiring to be more in community. May you find yourself being vulnerable to community. May you find yourself being willing to offer a hand up for someone in that community. May you love on one another. And seniors, good luck. If you've got any concerns, any needs during this time, we'll sing a song. And if you want to come and talk about those things to this community, 
A lady was married at the we'll age of 16 now. in 1933. Told a story twice to the Justice of the Peace before she was able to get married in Hugo, Oklahoma. That marriage lasted for 53 and a half years, and from 1943 until 2003, this was her church home. She had a deep appreciation for the Lamar Avenue Church, who had welcomed her at a tender age of 26 to its community, 707 Lamar Avenue. She really believed in the quality of education and that all should have that opportunity if afforded. When she passed away in 2003, we as uh, her family wanted to remember her legacy. Thought the third year it'd be a little easier, but it's not. <laughs> Proverbs 22, uh, 6, which we all know, start a child off on the way they should go, and when they're old, they turn old, they will not depart from it. I... Uh, I encourage you to think about something that we began. I wish there was enough money to pass around to all five of our young people, but unfortunately, there isn't. And we have the difficult challenge each year as the family of Joe Bulls to try and select a scholarship recipient each year. Each and every one of our young people deserve that. And we as a church family will continue to nurture them, as Jared has discussed today. Many of you know I work at the junior college, and one of the, the blessings that I have and challenges at the same time is to find more money for scholarships for young people to attend Paris Junior College. The scholarship that we award today has nothing to do with one school or the other, but the opportunity to see a young person have a chance to maybe help a little bit with their education. I want to relate to you a story that is personal to me because it's about a donor that we had at PJC. See, this young man told this story to me back in 2009 about how he was a second-string football player at Mount Vernon High School, and he thought he was better than what the coach thought he was. But there was a coach that coached at PJC by the name of Ernest Hawkins. Coach Hawkins saw something in that young man, and the young man told me many years later, he said, you know, in my family we ate meat maybe once a week. He said, Coach Hawkins saw to it that I got three squares a day. And when he left PJC, he went to the University of Tennessee, Jimmy, just for you. This gentleman became an attorney, a very successful attorney. His roommate in college, and for some of us college sports fans, I know Coach Stallings and I has heard my story, his roommate and fraternity brother was a guy by the name of Johnny Majors, who was the head coach at the University of Tennessee later in 1976 and won the national title. But the thing that this gentleman talked about was Paris Junior College. Just like I know that our kids are going to talk about the time they spent here with this youth group. And when this gentleman passed away, he could have sent a lot of money to the University of Tennessee, but he chose to leave it at home. And that's why we have wanted to try and, and create something uh, in mom's memory. This gentleman passed away August a year ago. And little did I know the impact that 
the school had, just like this church has had on the lives of our five seniors today. As I said, I wish there was enough resources that we could give a scholarship to every one of our seniors every year. And if you want to see how we might can make that happen, with your help, I think we can. We have reviewed the resumes and the information provided, and I'm happy to announce this year's winner, who was, these kids were at about two or three when my mother passed away. This year's winner is Coral Smith. Coral, would you come on down? Kim, if you would, cue the slideshow. My name is Coral Smith. My parents are Chris and Sarah Smith. I'm graduating for, from Northmar High School. My plans are to go to PJC to get my basics and either go to Texas Tech or Texas State for accounting. My favorite scripture is Psalm 139.14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I've had the highest mountain. I've had the deepest river. You can have it all, but life keeps moving. I take it in, but don't look down. Cause I'm on top of the world. Hey. I'm on top of the world. Hey. Hi, my name is Bailey Fowler. My parents are Heath and Shelley Fowler. After graduating from North Lamar High School, I plan to attend Oklahoma State University, where I will pursue a degree for speech therapy. My favorite verse is 1 John 4:18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Take it in, but don't look down Cause I'm on top of the world, hey I'm on top of the world, hey Uh, my name is Luke Feller. My parents are Heath and Shelley Feller. After graduating from North Tomorrow High School, I plan to pursue an agribusiness degree. My favorite verse is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and peace. Country boy. 
Hello, my name is Justin Keel. My parents are Tim and Leslie Keel. I'll be graduating from North Mar High School and I plan to attend Tyler Junior College where I'll pursue a degree in paramedics and fire protection technology. My favorite scripture is Matthew 6.10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Diamonds and jewels, I never was one of them money-hungry fools. I'd rather have my fiddle and my farming tools. Thank God I'm a country boy. Yeah, the city folk driving in the black limousine. A lot of sad people thinking that's a mighty king. People, let me tell you now exactly what I mean. Thank God I'm a country boy. Hi, my name is Justin Welch. My parents are Shane and Tanya Welch. This year I'm graduating from Chisholm ISD. My plans are to attend PJC for general studies, and I plan on transferring to obtain a mechanical engineer or business degree. My favorite scripture is 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife, I got me old fiddle. When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle. Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. All right, Luke Fowler, let's be real. Do you like hugs? Yes. No, you got to say it with some pride. Yeah. Every year as a tradition here at Lamar Avenue, we present Bibles to our graduating seniors. And we'll do that in just a moment. But I recall about a month ago, I was asked to teach the high school class uh, while Jared took the junior high on a retreat. And I remember back that those of you that was there that I spoke to you about defining moments in life and how God should be the center of those moments. In about a week, here at the end of the week, you're going to graduate from high school. And you're going to move on with life. And that's going to be one of those defining moments. From there on, there's going to be many times in life that you're going to have choices to make that define you. And I will remind you again, just before we present you these Bibles, to keep God as the center of those defining moments in your life. If you will come forward as I call your name, you'll be presented with a Bible, and we'll ask everyone to stay up front uh, till the end of the presentations uh, for another announcement. Bailey Fowler.
Luke Fowler. <laughs> Justin Keel. Coral DeLynn Smith. And Justin Welch. Also, as a tradition, uh, we present Bibles to our kindergartners that are graduating to first grade. And we have three today to present. Brantley Holland. Marion Spencer. And Autumn Taylor. If y'all will stay there for just a moment. to the group of high school seniors who seem real old to those three standing in front of you. <clears throat> They'll be there soon, and you'll be here soon, believe it or not. We're proud of y'all. I want to do just one thing in summary, and then Wayne Kirby and I are going to pray over these uh, seniors and these uh, that graduated from kindergarten. <clears throat> But God spoke to Moses in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron and his sons, Thus shall you bless the people of Israel. And he says in the end that by doing this, you will put my name, that's God's name, upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Today, I'm going to read that blessing that God asked Aaron and his sons, who were the priests, to put upon the people of Israel. And when we do that, we either believe that God really blesses you through a blessing or we don't. We're going to choose today that he does. And what I want you to remember is that in putting this blessing of God upon you, the name of God has been put upon you as his people. And so when you leave home and you go out, remember that the name of God is going with you, and if you walk with God, he'll bless you. So I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to ask Wayne, the only other elder who's here today, uh, to come up here, and Wayne is going to uh, pray. But I'm going to read this blessing. <clears throat> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May God bless you. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for life and all the blessings you give us, Father. And today as we celebrate um, a threshold in these young people's lives, Father, a new beginning for them, um, we just pray special blessings upon them. For our seniors that are going to start their endeavor in college, Father, we just pray blessings upon them. We pray that they stand by the word that they have been taught, Father, that they continue to follow your word and let it lead them in the paths that they choose, Father. We pray that they make good choices and they always reflect you in what they say and do. For the young ones that are beginning first grade, Father, we pray blessings upon them. We pray that they have a good start in their education, Father, that they be good friends and good companions to those that they associate with. We pray safety upon them. Father, again, we pray blessings on all that stand before you. And we thank you as a body of believers for the blessings that you give us. We pray for those of our number that are ill. We pray healing upon them. We thank you for those that you're ministering to, Father. We love you and we thank you for loving us. Let us walk like your children. In Christ's name.